I can see one problem immediately. Does anybody have a bulletin I can have? <laughs> I thank you there, Mr. Usher. <laughs> it's a good thing to see you here today. <clears throat> we welcome you all to this hour of worship, and it's a special day in lots of ways. Glad to have you here with us today. Just a couple of brief, brief announcements. Um, one, we have our supper this evening at 5 o'clock. That is the catered supper at, an, at a small fee, which I now forget what it is. But um, hope that you'll be here for this delicious meal this evening, followed by our children's um, choir practice and other activities, and our youth will also be meeting later on this evening. Uh, the the sign-up period of time for basketball games or basketball teams for all ages has been extended. Um, some of you are struggling to figure out how to register online um, using our website to register as a, as a basketball player. So if you need to, see uh, Robbie Septon after church today and he'll help you know how to get signed up. Um, also if you see Lee Dumas and um, there was a third, Steve Kinnett. Oh, okay. Back row Steve Kinnett. Uh, you can see to talk about the basketball as well. There'll be um, other announcements as, as we uh, later on in the service. do want to call, uh, call your attention to a couple of uh, things about people who have been in the hospitals. One is um, your former pastor, um, uh, James Ellis Griffith, has had surgery this last week and is already home doing quite well had that new robotic kind of surgery uh, over in Spartanburg, and uh, his prognosis from uh, prostate cancer is uh, certainly uh, very hopeful at this point, and so we commend him to you for your continued prayer. We also have a one-year-old in the hospital uh, for a few more days. Some of you know uh, Ryan, I mean, uh, well, that's the child's name. Some of you know Greg and Rochelle Foster. Uh, Greg is the sound man for uh, our early morning service, and Rochelle is his very zany bride. You ought to get to know that young lady. But anyway, um, their son somehow suffered a broken leg on Friday. Uh, when you're one and a half, that's kind of unusual. So he's in the hospital in a cast from his waist down, and we'll be there a few more days, and then uh, we'll be returning home. And so Keep these folks in your prayers. That's got to be tough when you have a child that small in a cast like that. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
be seated. I now present to you uh, our own Charles Hendricks and his brothers and others that have come to lead us in a salute to America's heroes. This is the presentation team. Good morning. It's an honor for me to join all of you on this beautiful Veterans Day to worship God and to honor our country's veterans. I'm proud to lead our presentation team as we render a salute to America's heroes. For the benefit of our younger generation, I want to briefly review how Veterans Day came to be. On November 11, 1921, an unknown American soldier from World War I was buried in Arlington National Cemetery in recognition of World War I veterans and in conjunction with the timing of cessation of hostilities at 11 a.m. November 11, 1918. That became known as the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. President Warren Harding requested that all citizens indulge in a period of silent thanks to God for these valorous lives and of supplications for his divine mercy on our beloved country. Inscribed on the tomb are the words, Here lies in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. The day became known as Armistice Day. In 1954, Congress, wanting to recognize the sacrifice of veterans since World War I, proposed to change Armistice Day to Veterans Day in their honor. President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed the legislation into law. To honor those veterans who sacrificed all, an Army Honor Guard from the 3rd U.S. Infantry, known as the Old Guard, keeps day and night vigil in Arlington. Each year at 11 a.m., November the 11th, a combined color guard representing all military service branches executes present arms at the tomb for the laying of a wreath. The Defense Department has totaled one measure of the price of liberty. Almost 1.2 million members of our fighting forces have died while in service of our country since the American Revolution. 1.4 million have been wounded. The numbers, of course, offer no reckoning of the inestimable value of these individual citizens' lives and the sacrifices borne by their families. But we do know their sacrifices defended a precious gift handed down to us, the liberties we cherish. Every day, but especially today, let us hold our veterans and their families in our hearts. Our nation has achieved freedom and independence because of the millions of patriotic men and women who have served so courageously in our military forces. Due to their unselfishness and dedication, many of whom made the supreme sacrifice, it is possible for us to enjoy fruits of freedom today. 
We are pleased and proud to honor our veterans in this Veterans Day service. We personally will personally recognize those with, who are with us today in just a few minutes. While at the same time, we must also remember those who are no longer with us. Please stand for the presentation of the colors. Present the colors. Please remain standing and join me in reciting the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States and remain standing to recite the Pledge to the Christian flag. I think we all know the Pledge of the United States Army uh, flag, but I'm not sure about the Christian flag, so that's printed in your bulletin, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> it's up near the top of your bulletin. Okay, let's have the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now please join me in reciting the Pledge of the Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood, united Christians in service and love. Thank you, you may be seated. Over the years, many members of this church have served our country well. They have displayed honor, bravery, dedication, and a passion for freedom honor all of our veterans, some of whom are with us today, and Mayfield is going to render a salute to America's heroes, consisting of the hymns for each of the five branches of service. If you have served in any capacity in the military, whether on active duty or in a reserve component, we want to personally thank you and pay tribute to you. So that you can be recognized, please stand with the hymn for your branch of services played at its conclusion, you may again be seated. If you are unable to stand, please raise your hand so we can locate you and honor you as well. The United States Army. United States Navy. 
the United States Marine Corps. United States Air Force. United States Coast Guard. At this time, I want to introduce to you a song entitled, Before You Go, written by Sam Bierstock. This song is very appropriate for remembering our veterans today. While parking his car in Delray Beach, Delray Beach, Florida, he pulled up to the attendant who began to speak. I took two bullets for this country, and look what I'm doing, he said bitterly. At first, Bierstock didn't know what to say, but he rolled down his window and told the man, really, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. Then the old soldier began to cry. That really got to me, Bierstock said. He and a member of his band have written a song inspired by the old soldier in that parking lot. The lyrics to Before You Go are worth sharing and appear with the permission of Bierstock. Before you go, quietly you've all turned gray. You did the job, you saved our way. Our life and freedom you preserved. We thanked you less than you deserved. You never boasted, bragged, or asked for adulation for your past. You did the job you knew was right, and quietly you cry at night for bodies maimed and comrades lost for sights beyond our furthest thoughts, for what you've lived and felt and seen, for what the cost of freedom means. You leave us blessed with every breath that cost you arms and legs and death. You won the worst and greatest war. We owe you more, we owe you more. Thank you for your wondrous feats, for open speech and quiet streets, for worship as we choose to pray, for preservation of our way. Before you go, we need to show that in your silence, we still know 
what you accomplished and what you did for who we are and how we live. So go with love from wives and sons and daughters for our job well done. For, from kids who've never seen a tank, we give you thanks, we give you thanks. Thank you for your wondrous feats, for our open speech and quiet streets, for worship as we choose to pray, for preservation of our way, for homes and jobs and baseball games, for many colors, many names. You've saved our lives and we're free from shining sea to shining sea. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Go in peace. Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard. Ladies and gentlemen, the Armed Forces of the United States, may they always keep our flag flying over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you lead and protect our armed forces as you always do, especially when they are in harm's way. We thank you for the many blessings that you continue to shower upon this great nation of ours. We ask that you bless our nation's leaders and give them wisdom to successfully complete, conclude the war on terrorism so that our military forces can be reunited with our families and loved ones. Amen. Post the colors. From these who are active duty as well as our veterans in the presentation team today, they represent 135 years of service to our nation. And so we thank them very much for that. I'm always impressed that Charles can still get in his uniform from 45 years ago. That's quite an accomplishment. At this time, I'd like to call on um, Ralph Johnson to come and share a few words for us regarding stewardship and also uh, to introduce a speaker for the day. Good morning. Hard act to follow there. For those of you who are expecting uh, those in the Allison Duncan fan club who are expecting her, she'll be right up. <laughs> um, before she comes though, I'd like to ask the ushers if they would come forward and what they're going to do is hand out uh, reservation forms for the uh, meal, catered meal that we will have two weeks from today on Consecration Sunday. If you would take a few minutes to complete the card, 
Um, we need this so that we can get an accurate count for our caterer. Uh, so please fill them out. Uh, even if you're not coming, there is a place on there to check no, unable to attend, or something like that. If you would make sure that you do that and sign it, um, otherwise somebody will be camped out on your doorstep or calling you at home to find out if you're coming. So even if you can't come, if you would fill one out. And as soon as you get them filled out, if you would uh, pass them to the center aisles so the ushers uh, can pick those up. Now, while you're completing the cards, I'd like to say just a few words about the pledge and commitment that you'll be asked to make in two weeks. Several people have uh, come to me in my capacity as chairman of the finance committee and uh, mentioned that many members, especially newer ones, are unaware of our building program. Uh, three or four years ago, we had a building fund drive uh, to add on or update some of our facilities. And if you recall, those of you who were here, we had um, uh, sold church bonds, and we sold about a million dollars worth. Uh, about half of that million dollars went to purchase the rock house, and the other half, and, and another portion of it went to uh, purchase the uh, couple of acres behind the Turner House here. The rest of it went to um, things like, and this is about a half a million dollars, went to things like new handicapped parking out here, uh, the contemporary service facility where they store all of their uh, instruments, uh, new par um, handicapped access to the sanctuary, uh, a new family room over here, a new sacristy, uh, other updates in the facility, including carpet and paint and new light fixtures, that type of thing. Also, the handbell choir uh, got a new practice room as well. And we still have a lot of other things that we would like to do that were part of the long-range plan, but my point is that the building program here is ongoing, um, and the sooner that we retire our current debt, then the sooner we can uh, enhance our facilities with either new or, or improved uh, buildings. Uh, and this is where you come in if you haven't pledged before for the building fund. Uh, just because you don't see dirt being moved doesn't mean that there's still not a need. I hope you'll consider that when you uh, pray about what God is calling you to do. There is a tradition here at Memorial of generosity that can be seen around every corner. If you look on the backs of all of the pews here, these beautiful stained glass windows, um, this, the piano over here, the, um, the bells, church bells that we have, and many other things were given by generous donations of people who have come before we were here and who were also uh, major parts of our community as well as our church. So I hope that you'll consider joining them in their love for Memorial and uh, their love for God as well. Finally, in Luke 12, uh, chapter 48, Jesus, in a classic teaching moment with the disciples, said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. If you consider yourself blessed, 
then I hope that you will also consider sharing your blessings with God. And now I'd like to thank Allison Duncan. She's going to make her way up here uh, for graciously agreeing to present our stewardship moment for the day. And if you're through with your cards, if you would make sure you get them to the center aisle so the ushers can get them. Thank you, Ralph. Good morning. I am honored to be standing before you today to discuss what stewardship means to me. The definition of stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. As Psalm 116:12 states, we often ask ourselves, how shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, preached on stewardship often. He stated that number one, God entrusts us with our mortal soul, made in the image of God together with all the powers and faculties of understanding, imagination, memory, and will, when we seek the peace of God and do his will, we secure our own happiness. Number two, God entrusts us with our bodies. Use these exquisitely wrought machines to honor God as stewards, not as proprietors, as instruments of righteousness unto God. Number three, God entrusts us with a portion of worldly goods. The most valuable worldly good is money, for which God expects us to be wise and faithful stewards, employing every part for purposes as our blessed Lord has commanded us to do. And number four, God entrusts us with several talents. All other gifts God has given us, including bodily strength, health, our personality, time, knowledge, and education, all to be used to do good to others and not harm. I have been a member of Memorial Methodist my entire life. Growing up in this church, I have seen many examples of stewardship personally and how it has helped my Christian walk. As a child, I saw firsthand of how church members give their time, talents, and tithes, from Bible school volunteers to Sunday school teachers to youth group chaperones to people I probably don't even know that helped raise me in this church. Church members have been a big influence in my life. They have not only taught me about Christ, but what it means to be a Christian. The generosity of this church has helped my family in times of need, assisted me in my education, and continues to inspire me to give my all to Christ. I would, I would like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you for all that you have done for me. My husband and I pray as Consecration Sunday approaches each year about how we can give our all to Christ. As Kevin calls it, the three T's, I pray for wisdom to minister to others through my time, talents, and tithes. Our church uses gifts to minister to others and spread God's love. Christ stated in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As Consecration Sunday approaches on November 22nd, I ask that you thoughtfully pray about how you can give your three T's 
to glorify God who is always faithful to us. Thank you. I invite you now to turn in your hymnal to page 754 as we recite together the 23rd Psalm. I invite you to stand as you're able. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Leads me beside still waters, restores my life. Leads me in right paths for the sake of the Lord's name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live.
before we have our prayer time, let me tell you about some behind the scenes things. Nowhere after the Psalter does it say doxology, but I thought it was supposed to be there and I gave Ann a look and she's going, there's going to be a hymn book coming from back there and hit me on the head in just a minute. And I, I just wanted you to understand, you know, why I deserve that. We, we sometimes laugh because when we have a funeral here, I don't know what it is, a mental block or the lack of a brain at all. I will always forget to go knock on her door to tell her we're ready to come in. So she doesn't know that the family's coming in till we're there. And every time she says, Arthur, if you would just tell me. So, uh, and we appreciate you for all that you do for us and the beautiful music you supply us with. I also want to say just a word about Andy. He doesn't really need an introduction. You all know him. He is uh, one of the senior members of the staff here at the church. He was here before I was. Um, and all I want to say is that um, I've, I've heard him preach often at the early service, and we've cheated you all out of his thoughtful sermons, and we're going to try to fix that some in the coming year. But I don't know what you're doing on Sunday evenings, but Andy's leading a group of teenagers in Christian living and Bible study. I don't know what you're doing on Tuesday evenings, but Andy has a group of teenagers in his home doing a Bible study. I don't know what you do on Wednesday evenings, but Andy has a group of teenagers that come for supper and a youth gathering here in our church. Then there are weekend retreats. About one out of every eight weekends, he's gone away with a group of our teenagers talking about Christian living in that retreat setting. During the week, he often goes and visits in the schools and has lunch with the, the children, the teenagers who are in middle school and high school. I just want you to know that you get a huge bang for your buck uh, that you pay this young man. Um, he, he does a lot for this church. I didn't mention his volunteer work. He's our lead guitarist and our lead singer in our praise band, but he's not paid for that. That's his volunteer work. Uh, his boss is his wife, one of the few times we can say that in the praise band. But I just want to say that you, you, get, you have someone here who works awfully hard on your behalf to help our teenagers live their Christian faith. And, and I appreciate him. And I've always appreciated the good lessons that he supplies them with. And proud that I can bring him to you today and let him provide you with the, the sermon. With that uh, unexpected uh, long introduction, uh, let's go to the Lord now in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we are thankful for all that you provide for us in life. We are thankful for this land of freedom that was made free and is kept free because people are willing to put their lives on the line for one another. So we remember this day, family members, friends, and complete strangers who are serving us this day in far distant lands, risking their lives that we might be free. And we pray, O oh Lord, for the success of their work, but not just so we might maintain our freedom, but that somehow we might hold this world together until all people everywhere come to the vision of what life could be here on earth 
if we all acknowledged you as our maker and each one of us as our brothers and sisters and if we actually helped one another live life to its fullest. We pray that that vision would remain before us as our hope for what you might be accomplishing in your dream of peace for this world. And we're thankful too, O oh Lord, for this day of coming to worship you. We're thankful that you are our shepherd who see to it that our needs are met and that you also are our ruler, our leader, our king. We are grateful that you lead us in all the ways of life and that you help us to find our way and that you lead us through times of refreshing and restoring and you are with us in the darkest of times as well as the best of days. Lord, we pray for those we've mentioned this day who need your healing touch or your encouragement. You read our hearts and you know those that are praying this day for their own concerns and needs. Hear our prayers, O Lord. For we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
see if this is on. It is. All right. Our gospel lesson for today comes from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. Hear now the word of God. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. I'm going to sit on this stool. Last time I was in here, I preached sitting on a stool, and I kind of liked it, so I'll do it again. One thing that's changed is this gown is different than the last one. Um, Lauren commented and said that I looked a little weird on me. I would have to agree. I kind of feel like David when he put on Saul's armor. Um, But today, I want to talk to you about the 23rd Psalm. That's what I'm using for my text, for my sermon. And that's a psalm we're all familiar with. We learned it in Sunday school, and we hear it at every funeral we attend. And the gentle and serene images of that psalm seem to calm the very soul. It's the most popular of all the psalms for that reason. However, I think we often overlook the last couple of verses in that psalm. You see, it's not just a psalm about a shepherd. It's also a psalm about a king. David, who is the author of this psalm, was a shepherd in his boyhood and was probably a king at the time he wrote this. So he knew a thing or two about shepherds and kings. And David in this psalm says that God is like our shepherd and God is like our king. And therefore we are likened to both sheep and guests of the king. Now David is presenting two very different but complementary ways of understanding our relationship with God. And that's what I want us to talk about today, is God our shepherd and God our king. So let's start with the similarities between us and sheep. The psalm suggests that God is our shepherd and therefore we are his sheep. And the first way I think that we are like sheep is that sheep are dumb. Now don't rush me. They're not stupid. They actually have a rather high intelligence when compared to other farmyard animals. But they're dumb. Why, you say? Well, that's because their herd mentality trumps their intelligence every time. A sheep will literally follow the herd over a cliff. And that's the way we are, too. We're the apex of creation. We have the ability to reason. We're extremely intelligent. And yet we often get caught up and follow the crowd. We give in to peer pressure more times than not. Children, don't let your parents fool you. The phrase, everybody's doing it, is something we still struggle with as adults. That's the way we are. It reminds me of a story I heard about um, a young boy in grade school in the early 1900s. And his teacher called on him. She said, he said, Johnny, you have 19, or you have 20 sheep in a field and one escapes through a hole in the fence. How many sheep are left? 
And Johnny replies, well, none, teacher. And the teacher gets agitated, and she says, Johnny, there are 19 sheep left in that field. 20 minus 1 equals 19. You obviously don't know your arithmetic. And Johnny responds after being scolded. He says, sorry, teacher, I do know my arithmetic. Obviously, you don't know sheep. And so the idea here is that if one gets out, they're all going to get out. They will follow the leader. They will follow the herd. And that's the way we are, too. Despite our intelligence, despite knowing right from wrong, oftentimes we fall into the trap of following the crowd. And a second way that we're like sheep is that sheep are prone to wander. Sheep without a shepherd tend to wander off on their own, not paying attention to where they're going or how they get there. And that's the way we are, too. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And what's worse, sheep not only have a tendency to wander, they also have a horrible sense of direction. And once they get lost, they can't get back home. And that's the way it is with us too. We wander away from God, we find ourselves lost, and then we can't seem to get back home. We can't seem to return to that satisfying relationship with God. So we need a shepherd, as the psalm suggests, who keeps us close and keeps us safe. Now, if God is our shepherd, then he knows his sheep very well. He knows how to care for us. He knows what we need. Therefore, we shall not be in want. He will provide it. He makes us lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside still waters. As our shepherd, he also knows that we are prone to wander. And therefore, he restores our soul. And the Hebrew word there, and you've got to understand, the Hebrew language is a language of, of mental pictures, basically. And the Hebrew word there literally means to bring back or gather in. And that's a wonderful image, restoring our soul. And I think it's echoed in Christ's words in Luke chapter 15 when he tells the story that you're probably familiar with of the shepherd who left the 99 sheep that were safe to go find the one that was lost. And he compares that to the redemption of a sinner and says that all heaven rejoices over the one which was lost but is now found. That's a wonderful image. God as our shepherd also knows we have a herd mentality and therefore he leads us in right paths. He walks before us showing us the way so that we might not be tempted to follow our own path. We can look at him and focus him on him and follow him. God is our good shepherd. But God is also our king, as this psalm suggests. Verses 5 and 6 deal with God the king. 